Lord Jesus, um, Lord, I want to pray for all of us in the room and those on live stream, Lord, that we would prepare our hearts, including myself, to receive your word, Lord, to not just, like it says in the book of James, not just be hearers of your, of your word and not doing anything in so deceiving ourselves, but Lord, that we would be like someone that looks in the mirror, remembers what we look like, and does something about it, Lord. And Lord, um, that we would be doers of your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd speak through me, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So, um, yeah, just as, just as a little bit of a backstory, remember, Deborah tells Barak, hey, Barak, the Lord has spoken to me, and this is his word to you. He wants you to go out and fight Sisera and his whole army. The Lord is going to call Sisera out, and he is going to bring you victory. He will wipe them out for you. Now, you have to understand, Barak was a captain or a commander of God's people, Israel, at the time. Um, but the other facts that we need to remember, and it'll be stated in here, is he led an army that probably had no weapons. I, I don't know how you guys, like, picture that for a second. Um either you're, you're the best kung fu artists out there <laughs> or you know you're the underdogs. You know, he's leading, he leads men into battle and they have no swords, they have no um, knives, they've got nothing, right? Maybe they got sticks and rocks and maybe that's why they got really good with slingshots, right? Got to use what you have. And, and I'm pretty sure that in their area, there were rocks abounding. Just like in our area, there's clay abounding in the grounds, you know? So um, you, we have to understand this. We have to understand where Barak was and why he may have said, I will listen to the Lord as long as you go with me, Deborah. Like, I mean, we go fight the coyotes and stuff like that, but, but maybe, maybe we don't fight Sisera, and we knew that Sisera was um, crushing them for over two decades. So, so they may have a little bit of a complex at that point, knowing that Sisera always crushes us. We always have to run and hide, um, and now you're calling me to, to get my people ready for what? So that we can get crushed again? We get crushed again, and I don't know if the Lord's ever called you out, and you may sit there and think, no, 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 I've lost too many times. I've lost too many times. You know, so, like, think about it, even in your own personal walk. Imagine the Lord calling you out against the sin that you commonly fall to, and the Lord's like, come on, I'm going to give you victory, and you're like, no, I always fall. And imagine it's a brother or sister in Christ that is giving you God's word and saying the Lord is going to give you victory. And you're like, no, I don't think so. Not unless you come with me. Right? So, so I'm not going to fault Barack for being like that. And, and a lot of times we could sit there judgmentally and, and think about people in God's scripture and have this like hindsight 2020 type thing and say, I wouldn't have been like that. That's what... That's what Israel in Jesus' day was like. 
You know what they would say to Jesus and they would say to people? If we were our ancestors, we would have never killed the prophets. And Jesus says, you, right there, you, in, you indict yourself because you're saying that it's your ancestors, that it was your granddaddy that killed them. <laughs> like, like right there, you're, you're, you're calling yourself part of that family. So sometimes we could sit there and be really judgmental towards the scripture or towards what people are doing. But what is better is for us to do exactly what I was praying, like in the book of James and seeing ourselves in a mirror and saying, I've been there. Okay, I'm not going to have that, that judgmental spirit against Barack. I'm going to let the Lord speak to me. Or even seeing the good example of Deborah to say, you know what, Barack? Okay, I'll go with you. I know you, don't, you just don't have it in you right now, maybe. Like, but I'll go with you. Now, that was a big step of faith for Deborah. She's going out to the battle. A woman, probably an older woman, going out to the battle. It's like me asking my mother to go outside and help me with a fist fight. <laughs> right? Any guy here, imagine asking your mama to come outside. Mama, I'm going to go fight. I'm going to go fight these 10 guys, but I just need you there with me. <laughs> Pray for my sorry butt. <laughs> like, I just need you there. So, so that I get the courage up, you know, like imagine that I'd be like, first of all, if the Lord's like, go out there, go fight these 10 guys, I'd be like, yo, bro, <laughs> I need a weapon, <laughs> right? Or whatever. I need a chair. I'm a WWE this, you know, <laughs> whatever. But imagine asking the woman to come with you into battle, like don't be out there. And Deborah having that Trust in the Lord that says, yeah, I'll come with you. Let's go. Come on. Right? She trusted the Lord and his word. And it actually brought encouragement to Barak because he went and did what he said he would do, what the Lord asked him to do. So anyway, we come to this song of Deborah. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinom, sang this song. So they sang it together. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, you kings. Pay attention, you mighty rulers, for I will sing to the Lord. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you set out from Seir and marched across the fields of Edom, the earth trembled. And the cloudy skies poured down rain. So one thing we're going to see with this song is it's going to give us a bit more description on what actually happened out there. Now, some of it is poetic and some of it are just facts about what God did out there. So when we read in the story, which is the chapter back, we just read that, you know, God fought for them and he brought Sisera, he brought confusion among Sisera and his men. 900 chariots and all of these warriors. We just, God brought confusion. Then they explained to us the type of confusion that ha happened out there. The Lord actually took the natural elements and it seems like a storm just swept in when a storm was not around. And it seems like 
He made the river swell so that all of a sudden where they're fighting 900 chariots and you know, about 1,800 horses are getting stuck in the mud. And they don't know what to do because it's not rainy season, right? All of a sudden, there's confusion. And this great general that has been crushing Israel and everybody for 20 years is now in a panic because this has never happened to him, right? Lord, you set out from Seir. The mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of Mount Sinai. In the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. They're, they're throwing images of what the Lord has done in the past. Do you guys remember when Israel, and if you, if you don't remember this, you could go back to the book of Deuteronomy and Exodus. When they are standing at Mount Sinai, you remember how scared Israel was because the Lord said, tell the people to stand back from the mountain, tell them not to touch it, or they will instantly die, for I am on the mountain. Then all of a sudden, they're standing there, and they're worshiping, and the mountain starts quaking, and then the sky grows dark, and lightning starts coming off the mountain, and then they hear horns blowing, but they're not blowing horns. All of a sudden, these horns are blowing from heaven, and they're all like, Moses, tell God not to speak to us again or else we're going to drop dead. Like, we are so scared, everybody had to change their knickers. <laughs> as, as Josie would say, I had to change my knickers. <laughs> everybody was so scared. Like, honestly, we could sit here and just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Imagine you're standing there. Like, I believe that's why the Lord gave us a good imagination. We can read these things, envision these things, and say, okay, now I can kind of understand a little bit of what's going on. But the other thing that we see is that God, and we're told this all throughout Scripture, and then when we meet Jesus, we forget this. God is not a guy to mess around with. We're told in scripture that God is a warrior by himself. He does not need an army, though he is the Lord of hosts. And one of his guys, one angel, can take out 200,000 men in a night. I, guys, I have, there is no movie that can even top that, all right? I mean... I've watched all the action movies, all of them, even when I was little. When I was little, you know, there were, there were action stars that have died <laughs> that are not around. I mean, I've seen some crazy movies, like some of these uh, Bollywood ones, where, like, that guy, you know, this guy comes out, he's, like, make lifting people. I don't, you ever watch a, I know some of my, my Indian folk here, <laughs> you guys have watched some of these action movies, and I'm like, that is not even plausible man right <laughs> not plausible i'm sorry you know guys just don't walk through glass and it not break or whatever <laughs> like so but even with our imaginations doing these things it does not even stand up to what god can actually do what god can actually do it says he is a warrior he rouses himself for battle he doesn't need 
You know, you ever see like before, um, before a big match and everybody's getting each other pumped up, you know, and I've told you guys before, like artists do this at times before they go out there. Um, the guys and I were playing with like these really big bands one time and we were playing for crowds of 5,000 people, right? And we're in this back room and they always teamed us up with like the rowdy bands, right? The guys that are like crazy, right? Like, you know, they, they take their water and spit it over the crowd and everybody goes wild. And I'm just like, yo, don't be spitting, <laughs> please. Like, I'm, I'm like, yo, where's the hand sanitizer? I don't like that, all right? Don't spit on me, bro, right? So they're doing all these wild things and we're in the backstage before we go out. And this band, I think they're called like Pillar of Fire, right? And they're ready to go out there, man. They start pushing each other around. They're doing push up. They're getting crazy. They're getting wild. And my, my dudes and I, we're calm guys. We're just sitting there and we're just watching them. <laughs> we're like, you guys okay? And they're like, yeah, man, we're getting pumped. They're like, don't, don't you guys get pumped? Yeah, I'm already pumped, man. This is about as pumped as I get. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> and I mean, they go out there, they get rowdy, they're jumping into the crowd, they're doing stage dives, you know, and I'm like, boy, I wouldn't trust this, the crowd to catch me, man. <laughs> I'd be like one of those videos you see. <laughs> nope, not me. <laughs> so anyway, the Lord doesn't need that. It says he rouses himself. He goes out to battle by himself. He's like, why don't you all stay home? I'm going to go take care of this. And the Lord does it himself. You know, it says that when his footsteps mount on the earth, the mountains melt. And then we meet Jesus and we think, oh, look at this guy. He's so really nice. And, you know, he just goes around smelling petals. And everybody be good to each other. Everybody be good. But listen, and I've said this before. Children were not scared of him, but demons quaked when he stood there. They knew who he was. He didn't have to sit there and just be like, yeah, I'm going to knock everybody out. No. No. You know what they said? What do you want with us, son of the living God? Leave us alone. Please do not throw us into the abyss. You know what we're told in the New Testament? Hey, the demons believe in God too, and they tremble. Right? So when you meet somebody and they say, I believe in God, well, so does the devil. <laughs> He's not going to heaven. What did you do with his son? Do you believe him? Do you trust him? And do you obey him? Right? Because it says that we come to faith by confessing with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in our hearts that God has raised them from the dead. And then Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. So we, we show him that we love him by doing what we do, by loving him, by just walking with him, right? I want to show my king that I believe in, that saved me, that I love him, so I'll obey his, his commands, right? And then... I need to ask him for help because I've been trying to obey his commands. And sometimes it's difficult. Why is it difficult? Because I get in the way. My flesh gets in the way, right? The Lord's like, love that person. And I'm like, 
I got a better plan. <laughs> the Lord's like, hey, shun that sin. Well, Lord, I got a better plan, right? And then the Lord's like, no, follow my plan. Obey my commands. The Lord is mighty. So the mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of Mount Sinai, in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads. So now she's telling us of the condition of what Israel was like when Sisera was in power, right? The people avoided the main roads. The travelers stayed on winding paths. You see lightning in the back there? God's mighty. <laughs> there were few people left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. And then she's going to tell us the choices that Israel made that brought them to be what they, what they had been, right? When Israel chose new gods... War erupted at the city gates. So all of a sudden, there's this cause and effect, right? They, they said, you know, we're not going to follow the God of Israel, one God. I'm going to get me many gods. So it's like, it's like a man saying, I'm not going to love my wife that the Lord has given me. I'm going to go get me many wives that, that aren't any match to my wife that the Lord has given me. I'm going to become an adulterer, Right? That's what the Lord sums up worshiping other gods. He says, idolatry is as adultery. You are betraying. He also says, idolatry is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, in today's day and age, sometimes we hear witchcraft and we're like, <laughs> Harry Potter, <laughs> you know, because we're dumbed down to it. But what does God say in the Old Testament towards witchcraft? It wasn't, it wasn't like um, the Lord wasn't like, hey, if you see somebody in witchcraft, just tell them that, you know, the tarot cards aren't that good. And, um, you know, it's a lot better with Jesus, with, with God and to follow after him and put it to, you know, not to do it anymore. Um, maybe maybe kind of uh, give them a couple of months to, to think about it. No, this is what he says. If you find witchcraft in the land, put that person to death immediately. Oh, that's a bit harsh, huh? But this is what he knows. Sin grows like cancer silently until when it's evident some cancers are everywhere. Right? And I don't say that lightly. I don't think cancer is something light to take. And the Lord doesn't think sin is something light to take. Right? When Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates. Yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. So what is she saying? If you group together 40,000 
after they made these decisions, if you grouped together 40,000 warriors, you couldn't find a weapon or a defensive weapon among them because it had been stripped. Their power had been taken away. They made that choice. And it's the same with us in sin. When I make choices to get new gods, to, to sin against the Lord, when he tells me specifically, do not sin against me. Guys, today's sins are very different. Our idolatry can look very different. It could look very, very much the same, but it can also look very different. Our idolatry these days are sometimes devices that we take up our time with, right? Or maybe things that we hold on to inside what, what would be called harboring sins in our hearts. Sins of unforgiveness, of gossip, of envy, envying and wanting what someone else rightfully owns, right? Envy is sitting there and saying, I deserve that, not that person. And then thinking to yourself, how can I get that? Now, we would equate that, too, with, with being jealous of people, right? But there is a rightful jealousy, which is what the Lord has for his people. It says he is a jealous God. He is jealous for what is, what is his, right? Just like um, uh, we've talked about this before, a healthy jealousy with husband and wife, right? Listen, I do not, I would not tolerate my wife going out and hanging out with a whole bunch of guys at a nightclub. Right? I wouldn't tolerate that. Right? And I would do something about it. Right? And I don't tolerate even if she isn't, let's say if guys come over and start hitting on her. I know my wife. I love her. She loves me. Right? But if guys come over and start hitting on her, I'm going to make it evident that this one is spoken for and she is mine. Right? And we'll leave it at that, right? But I would find that's a healthy jealousy. Imagine if I'm just like, well, I'll catch you later. And I just kind of walk away. Yeah. Everybody would be like, what is going on? <laughs> right? But the Lord has a healthy jealousy towards us. When evil comes, when Satan comes and says, ooh, I want this one. And the Lord stands up and says, that one's mine. I redeemed them with my own blood. You have nothing here right? He is healthily jealous for us when we're in sin. And then all of a sudden, man, we just get convicted. Man, that's the Holy Spirit helping us out, calling us back. And then you get really low about what you're doing. That's good. That's good. Instead of you tricking yourself into thinking you're okay, you're fine. Because the Lord is jealous. And you may say to yourself, man, Sometimes bad things happen. Hey, that's called the Lord's discipline. He's calling you back. He's training you. Teaching you. So they chose new gods, no weapons among them. Sometimes we weaken ourselves by the silly bad choices we make to jump back into sin. We weaken ourselves. Brothers and sisters, listen, like how many times are you found in sin? Is the sword of the spirit not with you? Right? It's not like you're going into sin and you're like, you know what? I better take my Bible with me. I'm going to take my Bible with me as I, go, as I go meet the prostitute. 
or I, I, I should take my Bible with me as I'm going to go and gamble. No, you probably do it like me, right? When, I, when you go to sin, you'd be like, I'll be back. And you leave your weapons behind and you head out. And you go somewhere else. And you're found without a shield. Your faith isn't with you. The shield of faith isn't with you. You start doubting your salvation. When meanwhile, you left your shield of faith. And you have no sword. You, you know, the devil attacks you and you're like, well, the, the Bible says a lot of words, devil. <laughs> but you can't recall anything because you haven't taken time to sit there and put it in your heart. And you're left no weapons, no defense because of our own decisions. My heart is with the commanders of Israel. So this is the rest of verse 9. My heart is with the commanders of Israel, with those who volunteered for war. Praise the Lord. She's like, hey, my heart is with them. When the leaders trust the Lord and say, come on, people, let's follow God. Let's do what he says. Consider this. You who ride on fine donkeys, you who sit on fancy saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road. Listen to the village musicians gathered at the water holes. They recount the righteous victories of the Lord and the victories of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord march down to the city gates. Wake up, Deborah. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up and sing a song. Arise, Barak. Lead your captives away, son of Abinom. Down from Tabor. March the few against the nobles. The people of the Lord marched down against mighty warriors. They came down from Ephraim, a land that once belonged to the Amalekites. They followed you, Benjamin, with your troops. From Mecher, the commanders marched down. From Zebulun came those who carry a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak, rushing into the valley. So, so right there, in her song, she was commending those that came and trusted the Lord and said, all right, we're putting it out there. We're going to risk it. We're going to risk it with God. We're going to listen to what he says. We're going to risk it. We're gonna, and we're told in the New Testament that if we trust the Lord, in this life, and we believe him, if we believe him in the midst of our sorrows, if we believe him that he is coming and he is our hope, and we live this life with hope, with the Lord, we too will be commended, right? It says that when we come to meet the Lord, what's Jesus going to say? Is he going to be like, you know, like the, your boss? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. No, we're told that if we trust him, if we work for him, if we believe him, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. He's not saying that you did it perfectly. There were no mistakes. I'm going to look at the checklist. I'm sitting here. It says here that you put the toilet roll, Lou, like backwards. Um, I don't know if I could give you a tick on that, but, you know, it's a joke. <laughs> but the Lord's not going to be checking on, on stupidities. He's going to see, did you trust me? Did you believe me? Or did you believe the voices in your head telling you that you were worth nothing? 
Or did you believe the voices that you heard around you from all the giants laughing, saying, you're not going to amount to a thing? That you can't do it. That you can't trust God. What are you even trying this for? And then when we're lost in all the lies and we don't move in inaction, you know, we just sit there doing nothing, not trusting the Lord. You know, it reminds me of the story that I just read to my girls in the book of Matthew, where the Lord gives three of his workers talent, right? He gives them bags of silver, it says. And to one he gave five, to one he gave two, and to one that he knew he gave one, right? And those guys, those two guys that got a little bit more, the boss knew them. And the one that had five, he put that money to work and he got five more. He doubled his money. He probably had doubts about himself. He probably thought, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to do what I know I've been given to do and I'm going to do this well. I'm going to try to do this well. And then the guy that gets the two, he could have sat there and said, well, I only got two. My man over there got five bags. I got two bags. And he could have been down about it, but he wasn't. It said that he went out and he doubled what was given to him. When the master came, he had four bags of silver. <coughs> and then the guy that got one. I mean, he probably had the easiest job because all he had to do was make one other bag of silver. You know what I mean? Like, imagine. You, you're one dude, you're giving 40000 and and and... Uh, or 50,000, and the Lord's like, um, I'd like you to get another 50,000. Okay. And the other guy's like 20,000. I'd like you to get another 20,000. The other guy's got 10,000. I'd like you to get another 10,000. Man, he probably could just sat there and picked up pennies while, you know, while, the, uh, while the boss is gone for years. You know? Could have sat on the corner like these guys out here just asking for change every day. I mean, by now, they probably have a huge bank account. <laughs> But he didn't do that. It says he made a hole in the ground and he buried what was given to him, knowing that this boss is harsh. He judges very harshly. Guys, that's us. Sometimes I hear some of us say, well, I don't have as many talents as so-and-so. So I'm just going to sit over here and sulk. I'm going to put my stuff in the dirt. Oh, okay, good plan. <laughs> I see that worked out well for that guy, right? No. When the boss returned, he was not happy with him. He said, you could have at least have put my money in the bank, and we know if you want to make money, sitting it in a bank account isn't the way you make money. Okay? I'm not, you know, for all you bankers watching, I'm not saying anything about your returns. They're rubbish. But anyway... We know. Listen, if you're going to live off of money, you don't stick it in the bank because the bank's going to give you, I mean, I mean, think about it. Like the government asks you, how much did you make on your interest in the bank? You're like, how much did I? Zero, man. <laughs> These guys don't give you big interest. Even when they gave you big interest, there, there are other ways to make better money. Like put your, put your money to work somehow. Look up some books, right? 
And the Lord's like, you could have at least given me the worst type of investment, which is just sticking it in the bank account and leaving it. But instead, you stuck it in the ground. You did nothing with it because you were scared. Right? And then we use everything as excuses because we're scared. And the Lord's like, come on. I trust you. I'm giving you things. I will give you more. What's he say? He who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. Some of us, we sit here, and I used to think the same thing. Oh, I'll give to the Lord when I have more money. Hey, listen, when more money comes, you're still not going to give to the Lord. Be faithful with the little that you have. Faithful with the little that you have, right? I, you know, I started trusting the Lord and being faithful with the little that I had. I had time on my hands. Okay, let me give the Lord some time. I could work with my hands when I was younger. And I said, all right, let me, let me give to the Lord with my hands, with what I have. And then I started looking around how I could bless the Lord in different ways. And I'm not saying, oh, look at me. I'm saying, listen, I have not yet attained, but I know the direction I'm going, and it's towards Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. They came down from Ephraim, so she commends those who were willing to trust the Lord and put their stuff to work. They went out there for the fight. Then we get to the middle of verse 15. It says, but in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle to their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Means Reuben didn't show up. Gilead remained east of the Jordan. And why did Dan stay home? Asher sat unmoved at the seashore, remaining in his harbors. But Zebulun risked his life, as did Naphtali at the heights of the battlefield. The kings of Canaan came and fought at Tanakh near Megiddo's spring, but they carried off no silver treasures. The stars fought from heaven. The stars in their, or, in their orbits fought against Sisera. So she's starting to state the Lord even, it was as if the heavens were against Sisera. That's how much action came from the Lord. The, the Kishon River swept them away, that ancient torrent, the Kishon. March on with courage, my soul. Then the horse's hooves hammered to the ground. The galloping, galloping of Sisera's mighty steeds. Let the people of Meraz be cursed, said the angel of the Lord. Let them be utterly cursed, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. She, may she be blessed above all women who live in tents. Sisera asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him yogurt. Then with her left hand, she reached for a tent peg. And with her right hand, for the workman's hammer, she struck Sisera with the hammer, crushing his head. With a shattering blow, she pierced his temple, his temples. He sank, he fell, he lay still at her feet. 
and where he sank, there he died. From the window, Sisera's mother looked out. Through the window, she watched for his return, saying, Why is this chariot so long in coming? Why don't we hear the sound of chariot wheels? Her wise women answer, and she repeats these words to herself, they must be dividing the captured plunder with a woman or two for every man. There will be colorful robes for Sisera and colorful embroidered robes for me. Yes, the plunder will include colorful robes embroidered on both sides. Lord, may all your enemies die like Sisera, but may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years. Now, that ending part, you know, where it says in verse 31, it ends with a curse towards God's enemies. So Deborah writes a curse. May all of your enemies, Lord, all of those that hate you, may their life end like Sisera, killed in dishonor. Guys, the, the, the Lord fought for Israel. I mean, last week, the things that the Lord did for Israel the, remember how the Lord says, hey, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? Sometimes we're like, yeah, but Lord, can I just jump in and help out? Like, I, I just want to help out. But if we trust the Lord, we know that he will take care of it. And if you look at what he did to Sisera, Sisera lived 20 years beating everybody up. And then let me just list for you what he did to Sisera. One, he brought shame to him by losing to, in a battle against people with no weapons. He came to win, and he lost. The Lord shamed him by making him run away like generals do not do on the battlefield. He got so scared and confused at what was going on. He had never seen this in his whole battle career that he ran away. He ran away. He ran for his life. And then we see that he, he also uh, made Sisera disrespect custom and himself. He barged into a married woman's tent and said, hide me. Hide me, please. Like, if that's not desperation, I don't know what is. Please, please hide me. And he hides. Like he actually goes and hides the big man, the one that everybody would call a noble in the land, the one that has everything at his disposal, all the tanks, all the military power, all the money behind him, and he's hiding in a woman's tent under a blanket against warriors that have no weapons. He is then killed by a woman. And that was his last dishonor. The Lord knows how to enact vengeance, right? If we leave it in the Lord's hands, the Lord will take care of it. But our problem is timing, right? Right? Somebody does something bad to me, I mean, I want it done. I want it back to them right now. And the Lord's like, leave it with me. Forgive them. I'll take care of it. Do we trust that? Do we trust that the Lord cares enough for your life that he'll take care of it? He'll take care of whatever he needs to do 
And he says, listen, if you trust me that I'll take care of it, forgive them, pray for them, because they're going to need it. They're going to need it. And the other thing, he says, but those who love you rise like the sun. In, in, in ancient words, that would really mean to have a life full of blessing. May those that love you, Lord, have a life full of blessing. May those that hate you be cursed like Sisera, that they would be killed in dishonor with a tent spike in their head. But those that love you, Lord, may, may their life be full of blessing. Not just like, oh, give them a couple big blessings. No, from beginning to end, blessing. And the other thing that I take away is this. When the Lord cares for you, or he sees you through, or you've prayed to him, and he has answered you. I mean, some of you can sit here and say, God's never answered me, right? But I know that's a lie. We like to lie to ourselves. All right. If you're sitting here breathing today, the Lord's mercy is upon you. Because it says that even our breath is held together by Jesus Christ. He is the one that holds all things together. If I make a step, it's because he allowed me to. So we have to understand how huge God is and how much thanks we owe him. But, but what I'm asking is, when the Lord cares for you, he sees you through, he answers your prayer, do you praise him for it? Like Deborah. See, Deborah could have been like, yeah, it's been written down, it's cool, it's cool. No, no, but she wanted to write it down herself, the victory. She wanted to write it down herself and to worship and praise the Lord for what he did. What he did. Do you take time out to worship him specifically for what he has done for you? Do you, do you take time out to do that? Do you, do you write it down? I'm, I'm challenging you. Do you actually, when the Lord answers you, do you say, Lord, I see that you have answered me. I worship you. I praise you for answering me. And I'm also going to record it so that I remember so that I remember. Because this is the problem I find. When we are in hard times, it's hard for us to remember when God has answered us in the past. Because we're stuck in that moment and we're like, holy poop, right? But we don't say poop, we say other words, right? Like uh, dog poop. Um, but we're like, oh no, I'm in trouble. God can't get me out of this one. He is not strong enough to do it. It's because we have a short memory and we don't remember what he did for us yesterday. We have the problem of Elijah, I would say. And I'm not pointing fault at Elijah. The Lord does something great with Elijah on one day and then the next day Jezebel says, I saw what you did, that God was mighty for you. Now I'm gonna come get you. And Elijah is scared and he runs for his life and he's tired, right? Are you there? Are you running in the wilderness saying, I am so tired? Because Jezebel is breathing down your neck? 
Guys, the day before, Elijah put hundreds of priests to death. And then one lady queen that's nuts out of her mind says, I'm going to get you, Elijah. And, and yesterday, fires from heaven came down. Fireballs from heaven came down when you said the word. And now a lady said, I'm going to get you. And you're running? You're running? Like, the first thing I think is like, huh, why don't you come to my camp? More fireballs waiting for you. <laughs> right? That's what I think on the outside. And then I remember, you know what? I'd be tired too. After a full day of just watching the Lord do things, and then all of a sudden, another little trouble comes, and I forget what God has just done for me. And I start running. But what has helped me is writing it down. Writing down, chronicling for my life. There is nobody around me that is going to chronicle for me. I don't have a little guy that sits next to me and I'm like, yo, Joe, write that down, right? Not, you could even try your, your AI assistant. They don't do a good job. They don't. The Lord has it that we need to remember what God has done for us so that we can move forward in victory and say, you have been with me. And I remember, I mean, I have notes in my Bible written down when God has been with me. I have notes in my phone so that I can look back and say, you met me there. I remember now. I remember. Because let me tell you something. As long as we are in this life before Jesus comes again, guess what Jesus told us? In this world, you will have lots of lottery wins. No, no, uh, let me get it right trouble. You guys said it, and you know it. So why are we surprised when we wake up and trouble is there? Jesus told me he would be there to visit me. I need to take his words and prepare and say, hi, trouble. I've met you before, and my God beat you to the ground last time. I'm glad you showed up. It's about time for another beating for you. And you ride out there like Barak. And all of the half-tribes that went with them. Don't be like the ones that sat at home and said, Ooh, I don't really know if I trust God or not. We'll just see what it turns out to be like. Guess what? They didn't get commended. They are remembered as guys that sat back and did nothing. I want to be told, and I know you do too, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be used by the Lord. I don't want to be useless. But I make that decision, and so do you. Remember, just like Deborah, a great example of someone that probably didn't feel fit to do what she was doing, right? Leading the nation of the Lord. And speaking wisdom, I know there's a whole bunch of us here today that don't feel fit for what God has called us to do. But God's like, if I called you, I will equip you. Trust me. Trust me.
and then we need to move forward in faith and we need to remember to write down for ourselves how God has met us and remember to praise him when he answers you. Don't be that child that just doesn't acknowledge that he's been there. Be that child that turns around, that makes mummies and daddies happy when they say, thank you. Thank you for my shoes. Thank you for the ice cream. Thank you for the McDonald's. Thank you, you know, like whatever it is. But it starts with us. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Lord, that we would have many songs like Deborah, that we would be able to sing your praises even if it's by ourselves before you. Lord, strengthen us. Be with us. Lord, help us to trust you like Barack, like Deborah. Lord, even those of us that are like Barack, that need a little bit of encouragement and a, and a friend to be there with us. But Lord, that we would grow past that and say, Lord, you are the friend that is with me. Lord, we love you. We need you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.